Hi, I'm Elisa Keaton, the founder of Revelation Wellness. If you're like most people, you lead a busy life in an increasingly noisy world. I invite you to join us for a different type of faith and fitness challenge. Exercise your mental muscle, a 21-day biblical mindfulness and meditation challenge. Through this challenge, we will spend 21 days learning the habit of mindfulness in a scripturally-based Christian context. And Jesus himself modeled the importance of regularly withdrawing into solitude. Mindfulness meditation have also been proven to impact both physical and mental health. Sign up for Exercise Your Mental Muscle, a 21-day biblical meditation challenge today. Hey friends, welcome to the Revelation Wellness Podcast. We're so happy you've joined us for another Revving the Word episode. What a fun way to start the week together. What you just heard was a promo for our new challenge that's launching soon. Exercise Your Mental Muscle, a 21-day biblical meditation challenge. And I hope you'll join us. Hey, let's get real. In this busy season of life, so many of us are frantic and pulled in a whole bunch of different directions. And this challenge will give all of us a chance to slow down, spend time in His truth, and hear God's voice. And also, did you know, meditation has been proven to strengthen our immune systems and lower the impact of stress on your body and brain. And who doesn't need a healthier immune system, body and brain in this season? If this challenge feels a little bit uncomfortable for you, like maybe I don't think I could do it, then it's just possible that you really truly need it. So don't let yourself be deprived of more peace for one more day. And hey, there's power in accountability, friends. So maybe think through who could God be nudging you to invite to do it with you. And this is a join for any tax-deductible donation challenge. So sign up at revelationwellness.org slash challenges, and the link is in your show notes. We start together on Monday, September 13th, and I hope that we will see you back in the challenge, learning together how to slow down and get quiet and hear God's voice. Don't wait. I've already signed up. Have you? We'll see you soon. Peace. Getting the playlist going in three, two, one, play. Take a deep breath in your nose, out your mouth. Make it audible. I am so excited to be with you today. I just had this flood of joy wash over me that I get to do this with you. We get to do this this way. What a God of freedom. What a God of creativity. What a, what a God who knows what we need. He knows what we need. And I just want to say, I'm certain he's pleased with your heart that you're here, that you pushed play. And you're not, you're not wanting to be a bystander. You want the word to run you over. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
lay you down, flatten you out, search you, know you, so that when you resurrect through a baptism of sweat, you're not the same. I'm proud of you. And I'm honored to get to do this with you. So thank you. This week we finish another Bible study, the book of Jonah. We did 1 Corinthians together, which, oh my goodness, if you haven't done that one, go back through the feed and do it with us. It is one of my favorite books, especially because it talks so much about the body, talks about division, reconciliation as the family of God and the body of Christ. But now here we are in the Old Testament because God's word is complete and not lacking. We are. <laughs> we are not God, He is. He is God and there is no other. And if you have that mindset, you're gonna do A-okay around here. I heard a statistic recently here in Arizona Oh, it was so disheartening that here in, in Phoenix, 61% of believers, believers, only 61% believe that Jesus was without sin. And 59% believe the Bible is accurate or true. <laughs> what does that mean for the rest of us? Where's the other 39% believe that Jesus did sin? 41% don't believe the Bible to be true. Oh, goodness, come, Lord, come. Basically, those people, they believe they're God. They don't like the God they're seeing of the Bible and what they see today, but we cannot put confidence in what we see. Amen? Amen. So God, come and help us in this time. Help us. Use Jonah's heart to make a way to show us without judgment who we are and what we are living for. Know us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. Jonah 4. When last left Jonah, <laughs> God relented on Nineveh. God did exactly what Jonah didn't want him to do. So here we go. Let me read verses 1 through 11, Jonah 4. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, hearts, ears to your word. Everyone says, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Verse five, Jonah, 
went out of the city, sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would come of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade over Jonah's head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, quote, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than a hundred and 20,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. This is the word of the Lord. Okay first pass. Anyone else laughing? <laughs> you can laugh and you think, oh my gosh, Jonah's an idiot. You know, like it's so stupid, it's funny, right? Or some of us are like, I would never. Thank God, thank God I'm not Jonah. Woe to you. Woe to any of us who distance ourselves and say, see God, at least I'm not like them. We know that's what the religious people did. When Jesus talks about the man, the religious man in the temple, who's thanking God that he's not like that sinner over there. Meanwhile, the sinner is like, God have mercy on me. Whose heart is God more drawn to? Whose heart is ready for an encounter? On a scale of one to 10 in effort, move your effort towards an eight. Comfortable, but work. All right. So we see that Jonah is not doing well. And I love that question. Well, do you do well? Yes, I do well, says Jonah. But that word is used here often more than any time in the Bible, consistently. I think it's about four times. Do you do well? Yes, I do well. <laughs> Jonah's angry. Here's the first thing we need to learn as we from what we just read. 
we respond when others who don't deserve mercy and grace receive mercy and grace is a sure indicator of whose heart we have. It's a clear indicator of whose heart we have. How we respond when others get what they don't deserve. And it is comical because we got what we don't deserve. We got mercy, grace, and forgiveness of our sins. So what commentators find interesting here is that this chapter pretty much summarizes one thing. Nineveh, the very place where Jonah was resisting to go because of those evil people. Jonah is Nineveh, and Nineveh is Jonah. <laughs> and both Jonah and Nineveh were living self-protecting kind of lives. Self-seeking, self-pleasuring, self-protection. Jonah is Nineveh. Nineveh is Jonah. <laughs> and we are just as susceptible. Check your heart, guys. I'm telling you, this is so exciting to me. This is where we train our, in our discipleship training, instructor training, about <laughs> staying free. You have been set free. God has released you from your punishment. The wrath of God. You don't have to fear it anymore. All you should do is fear the Lord. That you know Him and make Him known. That He gets to know and lead your life. That is you being set free from pride, idolatry. Stay free. You cannot measure how you're doing or, let me say this, you cannot measure the goodness of God based on what someone else gets. God purposely says you're going to be connected to them. Yeah, even them over there, those ones over there that you call dirty, defiled, you're in it for them too. Because the gospel is not about you. But it's for you, and it's for everyone. How do you respond when others get what you think you deserve? Ask yourself, Holy Spirit, know my heart, know my character, know my nature. And if something comes up that's offensive, ask him why you do that. Go ahead. What we look for, we find. 
one of the mottos my family, we live by it. We've even engraved it on different gifts for our children. What you look for, you will find. It's a mindset. And Jonah's mind was set on the evil of people, not on the goodness of God. We see that in verse 2. Jonah says, this God, see what's happening right here? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, to that vacation island. Because I knew, he's saying, I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. He was angry. He knew. I want to ask that question, this question. What kind of things happened to Jonah that his heart is in this condition? Ask the Holy Spirit. What kind of things happened to Jonah to get his heart in this type of condition where he knew the goodness of God and he was obstinate towards it? Ask. mentioned to you before, at the time of Jonah, <laughs> it wasn't like the people of God's people were in war. They were safely living under the reign of a wicked king. They were safe. You know what safety can breed? Comfort. And you know what comfort does? It hardens our hearts. And you know what a hard heart does? Damages our brain. <laughs> And it makes it difficult for us to renew our minds. Pull back if you were an eight, back to a seven. Look around. Everyone, don't get so narrow-minded. Look around. Take a breath. You're loved. You're madly, truly, deeply, relentlessly, and recklessly loved. <laughs> And he's coming after the hard heart that damages our brains. Accelerate. Just a little bit, if it's joyful for you. Remember, these are always suggestions. You don't have to do anything. Because <laughs> I want you well. So Jonah says, take my life better for me to die than to live. Goodness. I just think the Lord must, his, he just must have been smiling at this statement. <laughs> and his reply, the Lord replies to Jonah's plea, take his life. Goodness. The Lord says, do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? And we can say this in all the four apocalyptic horsemen of our emotions. 
Do you do well to be mad? Do you do well to be sad? Do you do well to be scared? Do you do well feeling bad? <laughs> mad, bad, sad, and scared. The, the four apocalyptic horsemen that come in, and if we have a hard heart, those emotions get run by a, a brain that's stuck, it's damaged. Too much comfort, too much pleasure for too long damages us. Too much suffering, self-imposed, over-identification with pain, damages our brain. Renew your mind. How are you doing today? Are you doing well? Let me ask you that question. Are you doing well? Because if you're not doing well, the joy of the Lord is not your strength right now. The Lord asks you the question. Do you do well to be angry? Two times God asked Jonah, do you do well? Do you do well? Anyone else thinking of John 5, where Jesus shows up to the man on the mat and asks him, do you want to be well? How are you doing? And how would you like to be? <laughs> now, when it comes to this word well, I'm going to come back to this. But do you do well? Pull back. I don't know if I already said accelerate, but whatever. <laughs> Comfortable work. Focus. We're going to do a few pushes in here. Kind of shoot some epinephrine into your brain, which releases acetylcholine. Epinephrine is agitation, a little pain, a little like, I don't like this, which makes you focus. And you often focus to get a way out. But I want you to focus on the way through. Accelerate. 30 seconds, go. Whatever you want to do. You feel the pinch, you feel the prod. Focus. Come on. 20 seconds. Five, four, three, two, pull back. So Jonah was hot. That word, do you do well to be angry? It actually means hot. He was hot on the inside. And now we see soon, John's gonna, Jonah's gonna be hot on the outside. Jonah's external environment was about to match his internal. Accelerate. Jonah went out of the city, sat to the east of the city, and made a booth for himself there to see what would happen to the city. He's actually thinking, you know, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna watch, because I think I have enough. I think I made my point to God, and he's gonna relent on his relenting. 
and he's gonna call down fire on those evil people. Three, two, pull back. Yeah. And it says that the Lord appointed a plant to come up over Jonah. Jonah, Jonah's hot on the inside and God makes a plant to cover him. Isn't that the mercy of God? He didn't even have the winds come yet. God already brings shade over him to comfort him. Accelerate. And then Jonah was exceedingly glad because of God. No, it's actually not what it says. He was glad because of the plant. Jonah's joy was based on his external circumstances or his circumstances, period. Jonah based his soul care, his wellness, pull back, on his circumstances. Revelation Wellness, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> if you're going to be well here, you have to be able to separate yourself. You don't belong to the world. So what you hear, see, feel, whatever your physical experience is, you cannot put confidence in that. We walk by faith, not by sight. And that sets us apart. So you're able to observe yourself and see yourself without judgment. You can discern what's going on with you. I feel like this is my, my goal here. If I'm gonna keep you free, you gotta be able to know when the chains are coming around your feet, your ankles, your knees, your hands, your fingertips, your tongue. And you are starting to get captive to the things of this world. We don't do that anymore. Accelerate. So Jonah was glad because of the plant. <laughs> he probably was thinking, oh, now God's doing what I want him to do. That's right. He's giving me what I want. But when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant. And it withered. Now the sun rose and God sends a scorching east wind and a sun to beat down on Jonah. Now, God was gonna match his external circumstances to what's going on inside of Jonah. The heat around him to the heat in him. <laughs> Let's just call it, God's baking the parasite out of him.
So a plant comes, Jonah's exceedingly glad. A worm gets sent, eats the plant. <laughs> and once again, Jonah says, it's better for me to die than to live. God, come deal with us in our crazy, better than statements. Wherever we think something would be better than you, come God, come. Accelerate, come on you guys. Focus, a little bit of burn. Talk to us God, we're listening. Why do we do this? Five, four, three, two. Good job. You know, it is better for me to die than live. And God says to Jonah, once again, do you do well to be angry about the plant? First, he's asking Jonah if he does well just to be angry, perhaps in context to the Ninevites. And now he's saying, the plant, yeah, whatever, you're focused so much, Jonah, on other people, places and things. Your noun has nothing to do with me. And so God says, you do well to be angry for the plant and Jonah said yes I do well to be angry angry enough to die I love this I am so glad see this is how we know the Bible in its complete what is written is true and it is for our reproof it is for our good and again, a lot of us will distance ourselves and go, oh, I'm not like Jonah. Come on, y'all. Anywhere you are refusing to do what God says to do or go where he's called you to go, you're Jonah. Anywhere that you can't be exceedingly glad for someone else who doesn't deserve and maybe even got what you have been praying for. Your heart is like Jonah. We have two minutes to finish our working time together. Then we'll cool down. Two songs to cool down. Open our hearts, God. Some commentators say that when Jonah says, yeah, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die, that he's actually using cursing language to God. Profanities. <laughs> Come on. 
I am guilty in my lifetime of my heart hardening because I wasn't getting what I wanted and what I thought I deserved. I was the elder brother. Go read the prodigal son, Luke 15, starting at verse 11. And we all go, thank God I'm not the prodigal son. Here I am, God. But meanwhile, I'm the elder brother who's upset and not doing well because God is so abounding in love and compassion and mercy and he just wants his kids home all of them all of them come on y'all I woke this morning to the news more news of what's going on in other parts of the world and it does feel like the world is on fire and there are people today who will die. They will meet Jesus today because they said, you're better than. Wake us up, God. Wake us up. Our blessings become our burdens and our burdens get heavy and in the heaviness our hearts get hard and when our hearts are hard we damage our brains and the renewal of the mind that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit is not free to move cool down <laughs> but not for you you just moved your body you moved you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and blow, breathe into you. And you reminded yourself, comfort is not what I'm here for. God has appointed me a prophet to the nation, and I mean that for you. A prophet is a spokesperson. And a good spokesperson doesn't just talk about the product, they love the product that it has changed their life. <laughs> and that's what God was looking for Jonah to be, and Jonah was not there. Are you? Verse 10, and the Lord said to Jonah, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, where I have 120,000 sons and daughters who need help? You're pitying a plant? And I'm asking for you to go pity a people. Have compassion on those people. Jonah's pity was misplaced. And God reminds Jonah, who's God here? <laughs> I love it. Jonah reminds, God reminds Jonah who he is. In other words, this, I created you, Jonah. I created the plant. I created you. I created these people. The ones that you think are too far gone, repent, Jonah. You are the one who needs to repent, Jonah. You're an obstruction to my kingdom coming, Jonah. So 
the book of Jonah is about God's abounding love because hear me and listen closely the Bible is about God the most thing you need to know when you close that book what did you learn about God when you come here what did you learn about God then how does it apply to you the Word of God is about God the gospel is about God but it's for us the word is for us so for us the book of Jonah is a reminder of who we are and who we can become when our hurting hearts seek God for his benefits and not to worship and serve him as the beloved This is who we can become when our hurting hearts, in our hearts of hurt, we're seeking God for the external and not for the internal change. We are here to worship and serve Him as the beloved. He is the beloved. And then God does this radical thing when he calls us the beloved. You call my son the beloved? Oh, I call you the beloved. No, you're the beloved. No, you're the beloved. No, you're the beloved. <laughs> That's the type of love affair you want to be caught up in. Keep cooling down. Y'all... Can we just start to come to terms? I'm about to say something scary. You're not going to like it. But we need to just reverse engineer. As a trainer, we always worked with the end in mind. It's in mind. It's not maybe the goal of today, but it's always in mind. What are we doing here? What's the end goal? And then we take these little steps to get there. You want to know the end goal? You're going to die. We do not come here to extend the number of our days. They're already chosen. Now, if you're living in idolatry, licentiousness, gluttony, unhealthy lifestyle, yeah, you can be shortening the number of your days. But ultimately, it's not about how many days here. About the, it's about the God, the kingdom, which we're all headed for. So if we can just work backwards, always, and ask yourself the question, whatever, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever you're not doing well with, will this matter in a thousand years? <laughs> will this matter in a thousand years? You know what will matter in a thousand years? Maybe. And even then, it probably won't, is my legacy. But I'll be forgotten. I'll be forgotten. The generation, two generations, three, I'll be forgotten. But maybe someone, my book, right? They might see this as my great, great, great grandmother wrote this. I don't know. 
but I'm in heaven. <laughs> Jonah's trying to self-preserve something that is elusive, that is transient. It's not going to last, Jonah. Jonah tries to build his own kingdom here on earth rather than bring more of God's kingdom here to earth. Which one will matter in a thousand years? Right. God's kingdom here on earth. Because we know the end. We know where it's going. And me having a kingdom here, it's not in his plan. Listen, there are some of you here. You are needing God to bless you so you can do the work. It's wrong thinking. It's an addict, pleasure-seeking brain at its finest. God, if you would just do this, then I can do that. Jonah saying, God, if you just wipe those people out, then I'll stay your prophet. I'll do what you say to do. So remember the word well? I said, it's just you. he says, Jonah, do you do well to be angry? When we think of the word well, I think of wellness. And it's a verb or a noun. To do well as a verb is to be good, to be pleasing, be in good condition, have a good shape. Jonah, you're not doing so good. You're not in good shape here. Your heart's not good. You don't seem to have a good thing to say about me or people. Jonah's about Jonah. So Jonah's not doing well. Why is Jonah not doing well? Because he needed a noun. He needed to have his well filled. A well. A place. You know, without water, there's no life. No water, no life. Wells contain a wellspring. Jesus says his word is like a spring of water rising up inside of us. The well was dry. Jonah's well was dry. So if you want to be well, verb, let the well, noun, of your soul be filled. And by the way, here's a fun little ending. Looks like later on, Jonah does have a heart change. As we see later in 2 Kings 14, 25, that Jonah speaks a word later that says, the Lord has seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering. There was no one to help them. And since the Lord has not said he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Jehash. He's now telling the people rightly about this good God. Your heart can change. God, come change our hearts. Fill us with the well of your living water that we would be well and fit and able and ready to go where you send us, to say what you're saying, to bring heaven to earth.
In Jesus' name, amen.